Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Lower and once you're in a Donaldson, Lish, and if I got in, I can hear Lord Jeffrey the the dinner be. Me head will impalasy shockon. Ian what a yana you need. We're really start the car. Lish no budge book a shoot. Skilty, fis, turmi. Ni majigiri in drama honyal ama. Tamajigiri majhen honyal esta. Shockton. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throwing Independent Dollar GAA podcast in association with Borgosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery. Delighted to be joined as always by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. How's it going, Will? Just recovering the breath after that hurling weekend. Anybody that was putting the the, the nail in Hurland's coffin during the league. Um, they've gotten a strong rebuke over the last couple of weeks, I can tell you that. But it was funny because you know, Hurling semi-final weekend has been one of the marquee weekends of the year. The last couple of years, we've always been treated to, to pretty good games. And so with three quarters of the of the Cork Kenny game, it looked like we, we mightn't get it this year. But then, uh, lo and behold, the six-point lead for Cork, the most dangerous lead in the Hurling semi-final. <laughs> and we got that absolutely... Kilkenny like finish as well. It, I, I was, it was my first game back in Croke Park since before COVID. I was just there with a, with a Cork friend of mine as well. You can imagine his reaction when that ball went in. It was just it was an amazing atmosphere. Crazy noise, like um, crazy, crazy noise considering there's only 24,000 there. And it's just that thirst that people have for action now at this stage. But uh, yeah, like even the, the Waterford Limerick game on Saturday evening, just the noise there at different stages with some of the big hits particularly from Waterford in the early stages. Uh, people are just absolutely crying out for it. It was great. And we're set up for, you know, we're set up for a real Mountwater in that Ireland final as well, Ireland final between between uh, Limerick and Cork. Um, yeah, it's going to be, it's just real exciting weeks ahead. And this is, I, I, I kind of said it before the championship, I thought this could be one of the best, you know, years of Ireland we've had in a long, long time. And if we get a big All-Ireland final, it, it won't be too far off. Yeah, there's one thing, and it's funny, you know, at the start of the year when we were talking, we spent so much time talking about hurling officiating. Then, like yesterday, I felt like Fergal Horgan kind of let so much go. It was, so, it was the kind of physical style that we all like to watch when we're watching hurling. He blew a whistle if there was a trip or a high tackle, but if there was this kind of man-to-man physical combat, he seemed to let a lot of that go, which is what people want to see, I think. Yeah, people want to see the whistle swallowed at this time of the year. Maybe <laughs> just Maybe just need to... Um, just be more smart about what they're doing in, in the league and just like try and officiate more like championship rules in the league rather than being trying to be too stringent and changing the game. Like we have a, an amazing game. It's amazing people were giving out about high scoring games. I don't think anything anyone was giving out about it yesterday. It was absolutely enthralling stuff. And uh, yeah, we, we want to see that kind of hip to hip stuff. Um, you see the ball moving quickly up and down the pitch. We don't want to see referees as focal points. And it's going to be interesting to see who gets the, the hurling final, actually, who's refereeing the hurling final now. Because it's a Munster, an all-Munster affair, Fergal Horgan probably would be the, 
the obvious one, but traditionally down through the years, all Ireland semi-final referees haven't got the final, I'd say apart from James Owens maybe two years ago. So that's going to be interesting seeing it'll play a big part in the final as well. Yeah, for sure. But for now, we're going to dig a little deeper into the Ireland hurling semi-finals and we're delighted to be joined by John Milan and Frank Roach for our chat. Guys, how are things? Morning. Yeah, good. Thanks. Delighted to have you guys with us for our chat. We have an all-Ireland final matchup now of Cork versus Limerick, John. I know your county were obviously involved on Saturday evening against Limerick. We'll come to that maybe a little bit later. We might start with the maybe more dramatic of the two games, Cork versus Kilkenny. Cork looked home and hosed once again in an All-Ireland semi-final. Six points up, which for Cork seems to be the most dangerous lead they could, they could possibly have. Some fight back from Kilkenny, but ultimately Cork uh, get over the line in extra time. You know, how are you reflecting on the game this morning? There were so many ebbs and flows in that second half and in the extra time period, it was, it was a thrilling game. Yeah, an absolute thrilling game. But I, I think overall, 80-odd minutes of hurling, I think the, the, the best team won. And I think, you know, from a Cork point of view, I think... And from a final a spectacle point of view, I think we've probably got the two best best teams uh, in in the final. Well, look, probably Waterford are, might argue about that if if they didn't draw draw Limerick. Uh, but I think Cork, you know, we've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. You know, this Cork team could be extremely dangerous. I've been banging the drum about them that if they get into Crow Park, if they get on a run, you know, and they get a bit of momentum behind them. You know, the Rebels are the Rebels. The Rebel Roar was back yesterday. You know, Cork Hurling is in a very, very good place. You know, their their dander is up. They're hurling very, very well. You know, they can be extremely they can be extremely dangerous opponents for anyone. And I think yesterday they just had that bit of smartness, they had the pace. Um and I just think they had the overall, you know, as a package, I think they had better hurlers in Kilkenny yesterday. And I think when it came down to it, you know, in that that extra time period, I think all those uh, attributes shone through in the end. Uh, and here we are now. We're going to be in for a for, for a thrilling final now with, with, both, with both Cork and Limerick. Frank, is there an argument to be made that even though it probably didn't feel like it for Cork fans while it was going on, that you know being pegged back and going to extra time and having to dig deep and kind of maybe exercising some of the demons from 2018 with the extra time period that ultimately the way it played out. Could benefit Cork going into the final, or is that just a positive spin on them kind of collapsing a little bit again? Well, it is a little bit of a spin, but I think there might be some truth in it too, because uh, one of the big questions facing Cork over the last few years really has been questions. There have been questions about their character. You know, were they up for it when when they were really challenged? And you can just imagine the mindset or how the mindset could have been after 70 minutes yesterday, because I think even more so than 2018, um, yesterday was a case of Cork frittering away a huge advantage. I mean, even in the few minutes before Adrian Mullen got, got that goal, Cork had several more chances to put the game beyond reach, and they didn't take them. There was a few wides, wrong options taken, balls given away. Then Patrick Horgan had the 65 that he'd been nailed on to score at any other time in the game. And if he'd scored that, it wouldn't have mattered like, you know, what had happened in the last play. But I think Cork's response to that was was huge. And, uh, you know, the response as well from some of the players who were directly impacted. I mean, Tim O'Mahony was probably the chief guilty party for, you know, taking too much out of the ball when Cork had, you know, Cork had possession. And he lost it, and that led to the goal. But he was a colossus in, in extra time. 
you know, Patrick Horgan had gone through a little fallow period late in all the time. You know, he delivered again in extra time. But, but uh, like, I mean, the contribution of the bench as well was was enormous from, from early on in the second half to finish with 11 points from play. Obviously, Shane Kingston leading the way, but, but that that was probably the ultimate difference. And um, it, it means the Cork have lots of very, very, very good options going into the final. You might even say maybe more so than Limerick because their subs have been tested and have been required more so than Limerick's bench has. Yeah, Michael, it leaves, I suppose, Kieran Kingston an interesting selection position with who to bring in, what way they play the game in the final, given how strong that bench was. Like, how, how do you reflect on where Cork are now after, after yesterday's game? When their running game got going in the second half, I know they ultimately missed most of those goal chances, but they look very, very threatening. You know, how good a position are they in going to that final? Like, you know, what, what are your overall thoughts on where they are? Yeah, no, I think they're in a, a damn good position. And just to kind of echo what Frank said there, uh, you know, you can win a game kind of falling over the line and it almost feels like you're there, you're there and you've won, but it almost feels like you haven't won. Um, so they ended up, you know, having their lead snatched off them in normal time, but they powered on in extra time. Fair enough now, Kilkenny probably had a couple of goal chances. You know, Walter Walsh had a goal chance and James Bergen had one as well. Cork, that's definitely something that Cork will have to tidy up on. But they have improved with every game and continue to improve. And just what you mentioned there about, about Shane Kingston, yeah, he'd probably start the final, but Shane Barrett, who would contribute at 1-3 or 1-4 from the bench in three games, he'll be an option off the bench then. So they're not going to lose, you know, they're not going to lose an option off the bench. It'd be interesting to see whether Alan Cadigan starts. If he doesn't, he's a massive uh, impact coming off the bench as well. And it's the gas, I think, you know, the two Cadigans, I'm sure it was... Uh, a sombre enough kind of mood in their household leading up to the match. Then all of a sudden, the two of them are on the pitch by, you know, the 40th minute and they're both delivering huge performances. But I think Cork are coming into this in absolute perfect scenario. They had patches of the game that they look at and will not be happy with, particularly the last maybe 15 minutes of normal time. Like I looked at it on the hour mark and I generally thought, genuinely thought that Cork were going to win by 10 points. It just, they were absolutely streaking away from Kilkenny. Then all of a sudden, Kilkenny dropped back Conor Fogarty, shore up the defence. Cork maybe, uh, I think they had one, one point from their last seven shots and goal in normal time. A bit of panic. But it's not great when you're in the situation where you've panicked and made mistakes and you still come through that. And they were able to weather a storm of been 6-2 down, at one stage and getting back to 7-6 up and been 19-15 down at one stage and they weathered that storm as well. So, yeah, I think I think Cork are coming into it in the perfect scenario. And on, on the flip of that, yeah, like Limerick's bench probably looks light. Cork looked like they have options everywhere on the bench and they've everywhere on the pitch as well. So I think it's, yeah. um, I think it's primed, for, primed for a brilliant final. And, and they're, possibly, they're possibly more battle-hardened going into the final as well. Like, you know, I mean... They had a bit of squeaky bum time against Clare, likewise yesterday. And Anna's very touched on it, Will. You know, what way would you rather, you know, win that game yesterday? Is, is You know, they had a bit of a setback, but they regrouped. They, you know, they regathered in, 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 in the dressing room, came out, all guns blazing in the second half. And I think, you know, they're probably, they're probably best equipped going into the final rather than Limerick, you know, probably... I wouldn't say they weren't tested against Waterford. You know they, you know they, they blew the Tipperary out of it in the in the in the second half, and uh, you know they won they won they won the Munster semi final uh, with a bit of spare against Cork the the last day out. But there is probably one setback for for for, for Cork 
And I think it's the injury to Jared Melrick. Jared Melrick, for me, I really like this lad. And I think, you know, it's going to come down to it. Who's going to pick up Keane Lynch? And he's the one guy that would be on your lips that would go and mark Keane Lynch. And I think, you know, from a car point of view, I think he's going to be a big, big setback for him. He's not going to be able to take part in the final. Yeah, and a few other guys came off with Nichols as well. So hopefully they, they're, they're okay with the final as well. And John, just a word on Kilkenny and the comeback, you know, the, the most Kilkenny of Kilkenny moments to work that late goal for, for, for Mullen. It was a fantastic moment, if, unless you were a Cork fan. Uh, like, you know, the quality of the team, as people have said, probably isn't there to, to other vintages, but the battling qualities to, to get the kind of extra time was, was pretty sensational. Yeah, but that, that comes down to the, the man that's, that's standing on the sideline, Brian Cody. You know, I mean, how often have we seen it time and time again where, you know, a Brian Cody team, you think they're gone. And I was actually at home, I said it to the wife, I said, this game is not up yet, six, six points. I said, Kilkenny won't go away. And they kept tipping away, points, another point. And then it was a three points, three points lead. And, and, and a three points lead, you know, going into injury time is a, is a dangerous lead when you're coming up against the Brian Cody Kilkenny team. And look, it's it's only it's only to be expected from, from, from a Brian Cody team. I think, you know, he couldn't have gone any more out of that team yesterday. Uh, for me, I think Brian Cody is getting every inch out of, out of that team and, and he's done, done done the same yesterday. Now, we're probably going to hear the, the banging of the drum now for, for, for Brian Cody to go. And ultimately, I think it, it'll come down to, you know, himself whether he wants to go and I think that he deserves that I think uh, from a Kilkenny point of view I, I said it last week I said you know how good are this Kilkenny team it was very hard to judge him uh, after, after Leinster, uh, Leinster Leinster success you know Wexford nearly beat him they bet a depleted Dublin team um, and look that's back to back Leinster titles for, for, uh, for Brian Cody and I just think if, I just think there has to be a small bit of realism um, we we Kilkenny supporters, you know, where this team are, are at at the moment. Uh, you know, barely touched on it. You know, when we were doing the preview preview campaign and the champs, you, you take Owen Murphy, TJ Reid and Parik Welch out of that team and they're very, very ordinary. Very, very ordinary. Uh, you know, look, we're here now. You know, where's the next TJ going to come from? Where's the next Henry going to come from? Parik Welch. I'd be saying the opposite. I'd be saying, well, Where's the next Richie Power going to come? Where's the next Eddie Brennan going to come? You know, where's the next Michael Fenley going to come? You know, those are the type of players you need. Uh, Jackie Terry at the back, a bit of steel. And they're not there, Will. They're not coming through. You know, you've seen it. You know, I've watched a couple of their under-20 games. They're not coming through. And I just think uh, Kilkenny, they're at a crossroads going forward for, for the next couple of years. And, you know, they can, they can keep banging the drum about getting rid of Brian Cody. But for me, I don't. I, I still maintain over the last couple of years, he's done an incredible job. And to win a Leinster title, to, to finish top of the league this year, get him to a semi-final, you know, to go and compete against Cork uh, yesterday, bring him to extra time, you know, hats off to Brian Cody, you know, an, an incredible job he's done over the last couple of years. I just yeah. say on that, Will, as well, like, um, I, I think talk of Cody uh, being pushed out and like that is absolute madness. But I think... If there's any doubt in his head about whether he should stay on, I think now would be the perfect time for him to go, personally. I, uh, over the last couple of years, you know, they've won a league title in 18, they beat Limerick in 19, back-to-back Leinster titles. 
Uh, fair enough, they were beaten in two All Ireland semi finals. They died under Shield the other day. I don't know. I don't know um, if I don't know if anybody can get much more out of this team. But he has maxed out with his team. If he, if he is any doubts about his thirst or energy for the job, I would personally like to see him go uh, when uh, they're not on a high, but they're definitely not on a low. And I'd love to see. I'd love to see it. Unlike with Mickey Hart in Tyrone, I'd love to see him. You know, not being pushed out or anything like that. I'd love to see him go on his own terms. And when he walks away, to be happy with his decision and happy where he's left Kilkenny, because he has definitely left him in a very, very strong position based on what he's working with. But I'll be strange with him. I'll ask you the question. If he, just say if if he does go and, and look, I'm not suggesting he should go because you know you, you know my stance on, on Brian Cody and, and how I feel about Brian Cody. But just say if he did uh, walk, walk away and, and the time was right, like I don't see too many lads putting their hand up and saying, you know, Jesus, I think I'd like to go in and take over that job. Like so, so like who 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 would take over the who would take over the job? I I, I know it was me or you know if it was anyone else, and you know you're thinking with your with your with your clever hat on. You think to yourself, well, I'll hold off a couple of years. I, I won't go in there yet. You know the the, the personnel is not there. Like. So who, who would who would be best equipped to take over? Like? Yeah, and I do. Would, I, yeah. And do the do the job that Brian Cody is doing. Yeah, I do think it's the same as in Tyrone. I don't think you'll hear any ex players putting their hands up and saying, "I want to be the next Kilkenny manager." But I do think, like, just based on what he's what he's done with Valley Hale and the regard that he's held in, like Henry, you would imagine is the natural successor. But I don't think he's going to exactly put his hand up and say that. But it, it's going to be interesting over the next next couple of weeks um, with you know the Tipperary situation, Kilkenny situation. The uh, Watford situation, there's going to be a lot of moving parts over the next couple of weeks. I'm not saying Brian Cody should go, but I'm thinking and saying that if there was a right time for him to go, that now would probably be, be it. Yeah, just well, the, the, the interesting thing there is like people talk about the Kenyan transition, but in a way, what's facing them in a, in a year or year, year, year's time or two years' time could be the real transition. You know, like TJ is, will be 34 soon enough. Uh, John mentioned, you know, uh, TJ, Owen Murphy, Horig Walsh. When the pillars of the team, you know, when they depart, it's what's coming up behind them. Like, so Kilkenny have under Cody remained incredibly competitive over the last few years. I mean, if you just think about it, they're the only team who've, you know, with the, the last team to beat Limerick in a straight knockout championship match. And they followed that up with back-to-back Leinster titles. But, you know, it could get even more difficult for them in, you know, a year's time, two years' time. And, you know, getting to this stage of the championship could prove a lot more problematic for them. Mm. And I think if, if he stays on one more year, I think he'll have overtaken Sean Boylan as the longest serving inter-county manager as well. Not that that would probably be I don't it. think he'd be too worried about that. Yeah, just, as, just for, for the people in the media who might enjoy those sort of statistics. But, um, Frank, I suppose, you know, you I know you were at Limerick Waterford. I think you, the way you described it in your piece, I thought was very well put, was seven and a half minutes of kind of borderline perfection or kind of power hurting that kind of changed the game from four points apiece to 10 points to four to Limerick. And they kind of kicked on from there. You know, was that for you? Was that when the game kind of swung? Oh, totally. I mean, it, it, it was slightly different, but but it had echoes for me of... Um, football semi-final between Dublin and Mayo uh, two years ago when uh, I think there was 10 minutes of total destruction by Dublin that time. They outscored Mayo by something like 2-6 to no score or, you know, there or thereabouts. Um, Limerick didn't do it with goals yesterday, but but you always got, or on Saturday, but you always got the sense that once Limerick got five, six points ahead in that game, they were going to close out the game. They were never going to be under threat. 
and 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 that's all it took. I mean, it was that seven and a half minutes from uh, you know Austin Gleeson equalised for Waterford in the I think it was the twentieth minute or there thereabouts, and it came from another turnover. And you're thinking Waterford are still they're still in this. They're how even the nature of how they're getting scores, but from there on they were just blitzed, you know. And and the other thing is there was a succession of Waterford puckouts in that second quarter and. Uh, Limerick won the vast majority of them, especially you know when when Waterford went long, and and they just turned the screw completely in that period, and and several of the points even though were kind of typical uh, Limerick points. It was they won the ball in their own half back line. It was short, short, then long angle delivery, forward friendly, be it to Seamus Flanagan or whoever, and over the bar it went, and it just the game went away from Waterford totally in that period. Yeah, I think you highlighted the score. Peter Hogan got on the ball in the attack for Waterford. He was dispossessed quick, quickly down the field. And Seamus Flanagan hit an unbelievable score. And they actually kicked on to extend their lead to 17-7. to So it was a 13-3 run they went on, which, as you said, was the winning of the game. John, from your perspective, from a Waterford perspective, I know you, you were confident of, or hopeful of a, of a potential upset or, or a strong challenge for you. Where did, the, where did the game get away from Waterford? Yeah, it was the first quarter. Uh... You know, Frank touched on it there. You know, we were 4-3 down after the first quarter. We invested so much into that first quarter. And when, you know, we should have been possibly three points up after that after that first quarter. And when if you really dissect the game, you know, it, the, the landscape of the game possibly might have, might have changed if, if we were, if we, if we went into that water break three points up, you know, and, and I, I'm just going to, go from a, a player's point of view, Bernie can touch on it as well. If you're a player and you're after investing so much into that first quarter, you're going into that water break and you're, you're kind of you're half down yourself saying, well, look, what more can we do? We're at the throwing the kitchen sink at, 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 at these lads and we're still a point down. Whereas if they went into that water break, three points up, right? You know that you know the Limerick purple patch is going to come. But you're going into that water break then you're saying that's for three points up you get more energy you get more energy within, within yourself you say right we'll, we'll go at this now for the next quarter and we'll see where it takes us and we'll review, we'll review it at half time and you know if there were three points up after that water break granted Limerick had we're going to have a purple patch right instead of going eight points going in at half time eight points down you know you could have possibly been only two or three points down and then everything changed at, at half time. You know, even the, the conversation the managers having at half time, everything everything changes. And we know how good Waterford are in that that third quarter. So if they were only two or three points down at half time, then all of a sudden you're, you're approaching that third quarter and you're saying, "Well, look, lads, we're well within this game now. We're going to attack this third quarter." And I thought Waterford were very very good in that third quarter. They were winning that third quarter by two points until uh, they got hit with the soccer punch with Galan. Ozzy was going through on the 51st minute. Uh, you know, probably could have taken another step or two, and it was easy for me to see. That would have brought it back to four. Uh, Burns went up and got a, hit, hit us with a, with a free out right over the touchline. The huge stand pushed it out to seven. So when we were trying to just get it back to maybe four or five points, and the crowd were well up for a win. They were well up. For, I, I tell you, I don't know what lockdown has done to, to, to the crowds because... There's 24,000 there yesterday, 24,000 there Saturday. And it was like, it was, it was like, it was like being in a new camp or Wembley Stadium, 80, 90,000. It was incredible. And look, 
there's going to be 40,000 there in uh, two weeks' time. The atmosphere will be, will be incredible. And I just think if we, if we got it back to four or five points, the crowd were well up for the Warburg crowd. The crowd would have got behind them. You know, who knows what could have happened. I, I just think we, we, couldn't, we, we couldn't get it back to, to that four or five point margin. You know, four or five points going into the last quarter, who knows what, what, what could have happened. You know, you look, there's an awful lot of talk saying that the, the, the four weeks, uh, four weeks possibly didn't, didn't help them. Yeah, but was it the reason they lost? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I just think that first quarter was so crucial from, from a water point of view. But look, uh, what was most pleasing from, from, from a water point of view, they never gave up. They kept fighting to, to the end. And that, that, that just goes to show you lean cattle. But I just think from a water point of view now, I think it's crucial, crucial now that we hold on to lean cattle and, and, and Mikey Bevins and whatever the county board have to do in the next week or two. I think from a water point of view, I think it's crucial we, we, we maintain lean cattle for the next two years because we're knocking on the door. We're the second team in the country. You know, you throw in the burger to come back. Um, there's a couple of nice players coming through. Eric Daly to come back. Uh, Paulie Manny. Uh, we don't know all about what's going to happen with Sako Keith and, and the goals. You know, this Carrock Daly is a very, very good player. Mark Fitzgerald. Our minors are in the final tonight. I'm, I'm going to that minor final tonight against Carrock. Up in Torres, I think that's going to be a cracking final. So I think Waterford Hurling is in a very, very good place, and and we will be back in semi-finals. And I think if any man is going to get us over the line, I think it's going to be Liam Cattle. But I think it's crucial, it's crucial that he stays, uh, and I think he will stay because you know I think look, he's he's hard, he's a Tipperary man. You know we've seen the success Tipperary, and look. There's no doubt that Liam Cattle is going to be a future Tipperary manager. But I would just hope that he will be the Waterford manager for the next two years. And then possibly, look, I don't think anyone within Waterford would, 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 have, would, have, would, 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 would cry out loud if, if, if Liam Cattle was, was, was going to uh, go to Tipperary in two years' time. And I think, uh, you know, you look at you look the boat setups, Waterford and Tipperary. Would you go in and take over Tipperary at the present moment time, a bit like Kilkenny? I, I I wouldn't. So I think Lean Cattle, I think, you know, I think he'll 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 assess everything and he'll he'll see the type of job he's had to do in the last few years. He'll reflect on it on, on where he's had to bring in this water for team in such a short space of time. And usually it's possible sometimes it's year three, uh, when a new manager comes in before you see, you know, the the perfection of of, of, of what he wants to achieve. Um, and I think we're we're not too far away, we're we're getting there. Uh, and, and please God, in the next year or two, if, if Liam Cattle stays, who knows? I think I think he might get us over the line. Yeah, there's a few managers whose futures will be very interested to watch over the next few weeks. Uh, so, Michael, from a Limerick perspective, then looking ahead to that final, you know, how close to, to top speed were they against Waterford? Is that Limerick at their best for you? Is there any kind of chinks in the armor from what you've seen, or are they motoring at kind of their peak at the moment? Yeah, they weren't far off their best. Will um, just going through player ratings from the game the other night. Um, like if Peter Casey hadn't been hadn't been sent off, he wouldn't he wouldn't have been the sixth that I gave him. Or that he, when he gets sent off in Ireland semi final, you probably have to take a, a marker to go off. But uh, the rest of them were at a very very high level. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of eights out of ten. Nicky Nicky Quaid, brilliant again. Dan Morrissey played his first full game. Uh, Probably in about two months, I'd say it was solid as a rock, a full back. Um, 
they were so efficient with what with what they were doing. Fair enough that a that a decent few wides in the second half, but like they just know exactly what they're doing. Particularly the ball going into the foot into the forward line. Like Flanagan has this over the shoulder effort, absolutely down to a T. He's just so hard to handle. Um, he's able to get out in front and they play a lovely diagonal ball across from Burns and Hayes. Um, I think they're they're motoring close to top speed at the moment. And I was had some doubts kind of coming into this game, you know, that we were maybe been blinkered by that 20 minutes against Tipperary. That apart from that, and maybe the first half against Cork in the league, we hadn't seen Nimerick uh, at full tilt, but they're definitely edging closer. You know, Tom Morrissey again, you know, five points again the other day. I don't know what it is with him in All Ireland semi finals. He just seems to always stand up uh, in semi finals in particular. If Casey's out, that means Mulcahy maybe comes in. That robs an option off the bench. Their bench already looked somewhat light. Dermot Burns looked like he rolled his ankle. He could be a doubt. Barry Nash came off late. He could be a doubt as well. All of a sudden, there could be you know questions about Limerick coming into the final. I think that just adds another layer of intrigue going into the final as well. And Frank, they are big favourites as well. I think they're into two to seven. You know, have you been impressed with? They seem to be wearing the favourites tie quite lightly this season. Uh, you know, obviously they lost to Kilkenny in twenty nineteen as champions. They have never done back to back as a county, but it, it doesn't seem to be burdening them overly. I suppose we won't know until the All Ireland is, is, has been won. But at this stage, they do, they do seem to be carrying it quite well. Uh, very much so. And like John Kiley made a point uh, on Saturday night that that the thing that has pleased him most is that is their incremental improvement, that he has seen a step up game to game right through the season. And, and that's carried from league, probably, into championship. There were, I don't know if I'd call it, but they were actually vulnerable enough against Cork uh, in Munster. They, there was a period in the second half of that game where I think there were maybe four points up there, thereabouts, and, and you were waiting for Cork to get the next score, which they should have done on several occasions. You know, to turn up the heat on them and they never did and, Cor- and Limerick pulled away easily. Well, obviously there was the kind of Jekyll and Hyde performance against uh, against Tip in the Munster final, but like they really upped it in the second half that day and they carried that form for the most part through, through Saturday's semi-final. Um, but um, the option, the, 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 the issue of, you know, if they need their bench is, is probably the really fascinating thing. Because he didn't need it on Saturday, and I, I'm just looking at the match program here. I think the first, the first change for Limerick came after 66 minutes, and he made five substitutions from there to the finish. So that just tells you he was getting guys out onto the pitch. Obviously, uh, Barry Nash got injured, so there was a, a you know a different issue there. But um, it it will be very very hard for Peter Casey to to overturn that uh, red card because you've got to remember, in a case like this, it's uh, it's not that. You're looking for that Limerick need a video to place a question mark over the red card. They actually need a video to conclusively prove that, you know, he should not be sent off, that there was not, uh, you know, uh, a striking, be it with the head in this case, uh, you know, situation. So um, the videos are they're kind of grainy enough and they don't tell us maybe the complete picture, but that won't be enough for Limerick. They have to prove that he should not have been sent off in the first place. So if, if he's gone and Gray Mulcahy comes in, he'd be the, uh, the obvious choice. But, you know, Mulcahy hasn't been playing. It's been fits and starts for, from him this year. I think he had, maybe had injury issues, obviously, earlier on. But, you know, he, he, he doesn't look the player that he was maybe two years ago. So there might be questions asked of that Limerick bench when it comes to it. But you still have to go back to the fact they're favourites for a reason. 
for lots of reasons. And we still don't know whether Cork are going to be able to live with them physically and, and in every other way tactically when it comes to the final. And Limerick may not need their bench. Mm. Well, John, I might give you the last word then, two weeks out from, from that final Cork versus Limerick. You know, what's your read on it? I suppose from a Cork perspective, they can at least point to, you know, drawing with them in 2018 in the Munster group stage, drawing with them in the semi-final, albeit losing after extra time, beating them in 2019 in the group stage and, and obviously losing this year, but leading in the first half and missing a penalty when the game was in the melting pot. So there's a few signs there that maybe they could trouble them, but what's your read on it now? Well, Cork or Cork, mention is tradition. And, you know, while all us pundits, everyone in the media circles, everyone in the outside, outside of both camps, outside of car camp, will all be tipping Limerick, 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 Limerick. With Cork in a final, going into a final, you know, it's Limerick. They won't care less about Limerick. That's been strange. I'll tell you what now, the way, the way, the way Cork would see Limerick, albeit disagree Limerick team, but, but Cork would see Limerick as, as a war for the clear. You know that there's always this belief that we are the rebels, we are Cork, they are Limerick. And whilst other counties would possibly go up hoping to beat Limerick, they, within within that within that circle, within that within that camp, they'll be and within Cork County as, as a whole, they'll be good up believing we are Cork. We're going to go up and we're going to beat Limerick. And that's why I would give them I would give them every chance in the final. They'll think Limerick are 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 deserving favourites, but uh, Cork in a final tradition behind them. I was at that, I was at that match in the Munster semi-final. Anything that possibly could have went wrong for Cork went wrong, and a bit like Waterford, I think everything is going to have to go their way. But uh, they're the one county that I, I think Limerick will, will possibly fear going into this final, and uh, I, I think this this will be an awful lot closer than, than the many people. Many people think, and uh, I think it's 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 going to be meltwatering finally. It's one that I'm really looking forward. John yeah. had his Mystic Milan hat on there a couple of weeks ago when he predicted that at sixteen to one, the Cork were the bet to get back to the final or get back to the All Ireland. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see when he, whether he puts his uh, well, he nails his colours to the mass over the next couple of weeks now. Yeah, I actually think uh, Limerick would definitely prefer to have played Kilkenny in the final for for lots of different reasons. I, I think they'll be more worried by the threat uh, Cork pose. And I think it would have been, Kilkenny would have been the ideal fixture for Kylie as well going in. You know, the team that stopped them in 19, exactly. you know, we have a job to do here. Cork pose lots of different questions and maybe more troublesome ones as well for Limerick. Well, it's yeah, to... and just, just, just the last thing, uh, Will, I just think on the Peter Casey thing, I think, I think it's important from a Limerick point of view that they put it to bed early. Like you look at Waterford last uh, two weeks ago with Conor Gleeson, uh, they just put it to bed early that they weren't going to go and go down, go down the route and try to get them off. And I think from a Limerick point of view, I think from John Coyley and, and, and the camp as a whole, you know, I think uh, they should try and put it to bed early and say, well, look, we're either going to appeal it or we're not going to appeal it. And I know from my, when I was sent off in the month of final in 2004, I just put it to bed early and said, look, you know what? What i done was, was, was a bit stupid and I'll take the punishment. And I just think in this, this case, you know, it's going to be very hard on, on Peter Casey and look, it's very hard on to, to miss the All-Ireland final but I think if, if what we've seen last night, albeit it was, it was, there wasn't a whole lot in it but there was a strike in action, I think it possibly 
Peter Casey himself and probably John Coyley, I think they should put it to bed early and say, look, you know what, we're not going to appeal it and just focus on on, on, on the next few weeks. Yeah, well, one of the many talking points that will be, you know, debated over the next couple of weeks. But for the moment, John, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, what a win. Well, we're now going to look ahead to the All-Ireland Football semi-finals on the Throne podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. A little bit of uncertainty around Kerry Tyrone at the moment, Michael. I suppose, you know, a few COVID cases in Tyrone camp. There's talk that the game might be postponed. So at this stage, there's probably not a whole pile of, uh, of reasons maybe to, to delve into this too much. But if it does get postponed, it would be a very interesting wrinkle in the football championship. You know, you don't know if Tyrone, how fit they will be, but even just, you know, messing up people's schedules, it would be, it would be an unusual and an, and an interesting one. Yeah, coming hot on the heels and an All-Ireland semi-final been delayed by 30 minutes because the hay bales are all over the M7. Um, anything can happen this year, it, it looks like it. But uh, it would definitely, uh, would definitely upset uh, plans for both squads. Obviously, Tyrone's squad uh, more so. Um, they already have overcome the fact that they were missing Fergal Logan and three high-profile players for the Ulster final, um, which I think was a, fair, it was a fair achievement from them. And I think... I think Tyrone, like whenever this game is played, uh, you know, providing that training and preparations aren't seriously impeded or interrupted, I think they're coming in in an ideal position um, at a right good test in the Ulster final. Seriously good test. They're playing a Kerry team that absolutely blitzed them in the league. Um, you know, they're, it was their worst probably, you know, concession defensively in their history, I think. The most goals they've, they've conceded in, you know, any sort of a meaningful game. So they will definitely have a chip on their shoulder. I'm sure they will have learned an awful lot from that game and have forensically analysed Kerry and what they need to do to stop Kerry getting into that kind of free-flowing system. Providing they have the preparation time they need uh, collectively as a full squad, I think that's a really, really interesting game. Um, seriously interesting game. And uh, Again, all, the pressure is now on Kerry. They're now All-Ireland favourites. You know, the team going for seven in a row are, are not favourites. Kerry are favourites based on uh, league and championship form this year. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they deal with that expectation. And, you know, I, I, think this, I think that game will be very, very tight whenever it is played. And if it is kicked on by a week, it would mean four weeks for Kerry since their previous game, a, kind of a fairly straightforward win over Cork. So that might play into it as well. Might May they be slightly rusty? Possibly. It, it's hard to know. But we might kick on with Dublin Mayo, Frank, given that the kerry Tyrone game has a bit of a question mark on it. Mm. You know, How are you approaching this game? It's funny. Like Dublin do appear as vulnerable as they have been probably since before the Jim Gavin era. But at the same time, they're still favourites, decent favourites in the bookies to beat Mayo. You know, how are you approaching this game? Or do, you, do, you think, do you think an upset is on the cards, potentially? Well, um, more so than I would have thought a few weeks ago. Put it that way. I mean, when when Killian O'Connor ruptured his Achilles, well, sorry, injured his Achilles, we're not too sure of the precise nature of it, uh, in that league game against Clare, I, I would have thought, my God, that's I just can't see how Mayo can even possibly bridge the gap. But uh, their form since then has been has been pretty decent for the most part, bar the first half, maybe you'd say against Galway in the kind of final. Uh, and the real issue has been Dublin's form because I mean, you know what the, their form graph right through Leinster was very young Dublin. Like, you know, they were very good in the first half against me. They were never going to lose the match against Kildare, but you still have to go back to the fact that they won their three matches by single digit margins. And this is coming from a base where they were winning their Leinster, their matches in Leinster over the last few years by 
somewhere between 15 and 20 points most of the time. The average was, was I think it could have been 16, 17, 18 points. So, you know, Dublin are not, they do not look the force that they were two, three years ago. Uh, there's been a huge, the, one of the biggest issues is their bench. Their bench is unrecognisable to what it was, you know, a few years ago when it was populated by multiple former All-Stars, former footballers of the year, players that you knew could, you know, you'd seen before and they could deliver something. We don't have that sense anymore. Uh, but if they're key men, if uh, Brian Fenton, Kieran Kilkenny, Conor Callaghan, if they bring their A-game to Crow Park next weekend, and if John Small and Owen Merchant uh, are both fit to start, I mean, John Small started the last day, you know, they're going to be still start as warm favourites, I would say. Um, but it is like, this is going to be the, I, I would view this as the first real test for Dublin this year. Uh, and I, in that, I include the, the match against Mead, where at one point it came back to three points. But that, uh, you know, there still wasn't a sense that Dublin were going to lose that game. And they definitely should not have been in a position where there were only three points ahead, you know, uh, with a few minutes remaining. So, uh, I mean, as ever, like Dublin Mayo, it's always fascinating. You're always, uh, the other thing is that Mayo, you would imagine, will try to put pressure on Evan Comerford's kick out, something Kildare just never attempted to do uh, in the Leinster final. So how that plays out is going to be fascinating. Just, Will, a couple, an interesting point, um, something Frank said there, and it's probably to do with their bench and even just about Dublin being different this year. So we obviously had the, you know, the, the COVID training story earlier on in the year, which is, uh, you know, not your typical Dublin story or not your typical thing to happen within a Dublin setup. That that was one. Then you have the whole Stephen Cluxton scenario on how much that has dragged on and, the, you know, will he, won't he return? Obviously, he doesn't. He's not going to return at this stage. But that just dragged on. It's very uncharacteristic of Dublin. Um, even after in recent games, uh, Desi Farrell revealed that, that Kevin McManaman was over in Tokyo in, in his role, uh, in his role as you know, psychologist or performance psychologist with the, the Irish boxers, which I thought was interesting. Philly McMahon was up to, to in the media last week and he was saying that he didn't know whether he'd be around for the All Ireland semi final because of Bohemians, um, playing in Europe and his involvement with them. And I just think there's a lot of, um, quite strange things happening within Dublin that you just wouldn't see that you just these things wouldn't be left to chance in previous years and I think it's all feeding into a narrative of that maybe things just aren't the same in Dublin um I do I would agree with Frank though like someone is still going to have to go and beat them and like if, if Kilkenny uh if Kilkenny Howard uh Khan and Fenton all play to a high level they're going to be so hard beaten but it, it does look somewhat like the writing is on the wall but like, would it be that far-fetched of a scenario to see, you know, Dublin beat Mayo at the weekend and all the talk about Kerry and all this talk and somehow Tyrone causing an upset in the other semi-final? I don't, I don't think it would be. Um, but there's never been, probably been more questions asked going into an All-Ireland semi-final than this year when you're looking at, you know, the seven in a row chasing a Dublin side are not favourites, but, you know, that could quickly change after this weekend. Yeah, one kind of comparison I, I, I was thinking of was, you know, the, the kind of the second three in a row for Mick O'Dwyer and Kerry, whereby Dublin were favourites going into the final in 84, but Kerry still had that spine of, you know, Mikey Shee, Spilano, Shea, and those guys weren't ready yet to, to see control. 
Now, there's obviously enough complete comparisons, but as you say, as Frank mentioned, that spine of, you know, McCarthy, Fenton, Kilkenny, Conor Callahan, these guys are, you know, if you're doing a draft of, of the two teams, are probably going to be featuring fairly prominently among the top picks. Um, but I suppose, Frank, it's a bit of a testament to Mayo mm-hmm. and, and James Horan's rebuilding job that even with Killian O'Connor missing, as you say, that there's still people are giving them a real chance. Like some of the young guys he brought in last year, even like, you know, Ushin Mullins looks to have kicked on again after his all-star last year. Even Tommy Connor looks to have filled out a bit more. Like he probably got lost a bit in the physical stakes in the final last year. Ryan O'Donnell, who's had a good year as well. Matthew Rowan looks to have taken another step forward too. Some of these guys who have kind of taken over from the guys who retired and then some of the other veterans in the team. Like it's been a very impressive rebuilding job by James Horn. When you consider all the kind of the, the decorated Mayo veterans, you know, who have retired and departed over the last, last winter and even before that, you know, the team has evolved pretty dramatically in this period. Uh, and still Horan has, A, he's reestablished the whip hand over Galway, which they had lost for a number of years. Uh, he's got them to an All-Ireland semi-final in nineteen. And, and I suppose we shouldn't forget that I think Mayo were ahead at halftime in that game. They, you know, they caused lots of prob- trouble for Dublin before their 10-minute blitz after the, after the break that day. And they got to an All-Ireland final last year when people didn't expect to see it happening, like, you know, when, given the, the, the makeup of the team and the number of rookies who had, who had come, come, come into the starting 15. I, I mean, those young guys look physically better developed this year. They look stronger. They look a bit more confident. I, I think even the, they've been able to locate Ocean Mullen more as a halfback probably than a than than a fullback this year. That's helped. And like their running game has the potential to cause Dr- Dublin trouble, without a doubt. If Paddy Durkin and Ocean Mullen and guys like that, uh, Matthew Ruan as well. I mean, he's come back to form brilliantly. If they can, if they can get their running game up to speed, you know, they will ask questions of Dublin without a shadow of a doubt. I still wonder, will it come down to that? That We haven't seen it yet, but they may end up really ruining the loss of Killian O'Connor, not just for his, you know, his ability on freeze. People talk about some of the freezes missed late on against Dublin, but, but like his scoring returns against Dublin in the All-Ireland series have been sensational. But also as a focal point for the, you know, the full forward line. And they were missing that in the first half against Galway the last day. They sorted it out pretty impressively thereafter. But uh, that would be one niggling concern I would have for them. Mm. It's certainly set up to be an interesting game on Saturday, on a Saturday evening throw one as well. We might go for predictions then, Michael. I might go to you first. So we don't know if Kerry Toronto is going ahead, but we'll, we'll operate at the moment that it is. Who, who do you see coming out in that one and in the Dublin Mayo game? I think Kerry Tyrone will be uh, far tighter than a lot of people think. I think Kerry will just about get over the line. And I think actually for them to get, for them to go through to the final, I think the last thing they need is, you know, uh, any sort of a comprehensive win. I think if they were really put to their pin or the collar and got through by a score, I think that would actually serve them best in the final. Um, and I think Dublin will raise their performance a couple of levels of what we've seen so far and will will just about have enough. But the real interesting thing is, like, it does look like Mayo will have opportunities. Like, imagine, like, if Mayo were the ones to put the, the nail in the coffin of this Dublin side, um, it would be... Uh, somewhat poetic in one way given all the hardship that they've suffered at their hands but I do think Dublin will, will just about see it out and I expect a massive improvement and, and especially from the likes of Con. I think Con will have a big in, impact and I think he could be the difference maker 
Yeah, his last two performances against Mayo were, were pretty impressive. I think he might have been man of the match in both of them. Frank, yeah, the two predictions from you then? Yeah, I think you have to stick with Dublin in fairness. I mean, they may have lost their All-Ireland favourites tag, but like from early on in the season, I had an inkling, look, if, if they're going to be stopped, I, I, I had a feeling that maybe this could be Kerry's year. Uh, I probably still think that, not with huge conviction, but I, I think Dublin will win against Mayo. Uh, possibly coming from behind, they may have to, you know, the, I think some serious questions will be asked of them and they will need a step up from Brian Fenton, whose form has been scratchy enough so far this year. Khan had, I'd say, one of his poorest games for Dublin in the Leinster final, but we know there's so much more in him. Uh, and I think if Howard and Small are, you know, are involved, it frees up options for where they can play Brian Howard and James McCarthy potentially as well. So I think Dublin will win, uh, not at the Rees. And I'm, I'm sticking with Kerry to beat Tyrone, presuming that game does go ahead this weekend. Um, Kerry were very, very poor for the first 15, 20 minutes against Cork. Uh, and it's hard to read too much into what happened thereafter because Cork just kind of put up the white flag, I thought. But Kerry are operating at a different level than they were last year. Uh, their younger defenders are physically stronger. Uh, they look more of a team. And they're going at the opposition way more than they were last year. Potty Clifford has been a huge addition. Shawnee O'Shea's form has been really, really good from the get-go this year. Uh, and they could... They, they destroyed Cork with David Clifford not even scoring from play. So, you know, they're not a one-man team. They're definitely not a one-man forward line. So, I'll stick with Kerry in that. I'll send it to be a very intriguing semi-final weekend. I'd like to thank Michael and Frank for joining me today, as well as John Milan for joining me earlier. And that's all we have time for on the Throne Podcast this week in association with Board Gosh Energy. We'll be back next week with another podcast reviewing the football semi-final action and in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye. Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag hurling to the core.